Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday's night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to review a weird, surreal episode of AEW Rampage. I get what they were aiming at, but I feel like, well, what do you think? Did they achieve it? No. Um, weird, surreal, odd. All of these kind of synonyms for what felt like a strange evening's events. Mm. But I want to veer away from that and just say I don't think this was a very good episode of a wrestling television show. And... <laughs> What I mean by that is, <laughs> this is the good wrestling company that pro- that promotes good wrestling. WWE promotes WWE, right? A lot of people don't like the comparison because they're just soft and they don't like the two things <laughs> being compared. The one reason the comparison categorically falls down, and we're all guilty of doing it, by the way, but the one reason the ca- like the comparison falls down is because only one of them is a wrestling company. <laughs> that has been made clear time and time and time and time again. So we have this tricky position of trying to judge WWE like a wrestling show, but also against itself, mm. right? AEW can very simply be just judged as a wrestling show. It works to promote as much good pro wrestling as it possibly can, and that entails good storylines, good matches, good promos, good drama, good suspense, all that sort of stuff. Everything good that wrestling does can be done through the vehicle of an AEW wrestling show, and thus it is theoretically easy to analyze when it is great or when it is bad because there are a fairly straightforward set of metrics with which to analyze it against Against all of those, Rampage wasn't very good. Like, again, we, we can talk about, this This was odd. This was a strange choice. This was a curious decision. Ask yourself, and look, people will listen to this and maybe they'll disagree, because this is when you get subjective, and that's part of the fun of all this anyway. Ask yourself if you sat through the hour of Rampage and were truly, genuinely, heart and sleeve entertained. And then ask yourself if you felt that way for a while on Rampage. And then ask yourself, well, am I chomping at the bit to tune in and next week's rampage. Mm. And I this is not another like meditation on like how can AW fix rampage? What's quite the problem with rampage? Like we have all stroked our chins a lot on this and none of us can quite like articulate what it is. But aside from all of that, was this any good? And I think the answer is mostly no. Mm. And the thing is I'm gonna heap a load of praise on the first thing that we see. But <laughs> after the fact, AW is a good wrestling company 
was this a good wrestling show mm. from a good wrestling company? I think the answer, quite simplistically, is no. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I think the only thing that can make this show better is a delicious beer. Clipbait thumbnail paired with it. I mean, it. the beer is delicious. I'm not saying that. I, I just keep, I keep forgetting to mention it on the podcast, so I'm going to mention it now to get it out of the way. Look, top rope brewing. Great bunch of, great bunch of lads and lasses. Yes. Um, I, we did a... We all drank a bit of the beer in the office. A rare treat. On WrestleCulture, no less. An office drink on WrestleCulture, available where you get your podcast. I believe the footage is out there on Twitter or YouTube or whatever. Um, that could have gone wrong, couldn't it? What if the beer, what if the beer sucked? <laughs> like, never in doubt from the lads and lasses at Top Rope Brewing, but legitimately great. Yeah. And we all got to, like, not have to pull a face or try and find a plant to tip it into, like mm. when somebody's made you a bad cup of tea or coffee at your house. Like, it was really, really good. And... They've got, obviously, marketing copy, and they've got special offers that you're fantastic at delivering mm-hmm. in a way that, as I think I've very recently proven, I wouldn't be able to do. <laughs> but as somebody that just likes the taste of a nice IPA, yeah. they've absolutely smashed this. A 5.3% YPA, to be specific. It's too smooth for 5.3 as well. Like, yeah. It's kind of half cotton It was night. like Friday night. <laughs> I was like, well, this is going to go one of two ways. Genuinely, absolutely delicious. Clickbait thumbnail, What Culture's very own beer. Uh, and you can get it as part of a WrestleMania pack. And if you order it now, you'll get it in time for WrestleMania. Once again, apologies to some of our international listeners, especially over there in the States, who will not be able to get their hands on it. We will do a USB as soon, hopefully. Maybe we can get uh, clickbait, thumbnail, th- clickbait thumbnail to go around the world. Um, but yes, if you're in Europe... That means when we were on lockdown and all the pubs were shut in the UK and uh, everything was fine... In Maryland, I think it is. Maryland. I think that's the state that is accepted uh, where to, to have him, to house him, <laughs> in these lovely-looking pubs with these lovely-looking beers. Yeah. Can't order ours. I want him to have it, but <laughs> karmically, something feels right about that. Well, if you want to order it uh, and you're in Europe, topropebrewing.com is the place to go. Uh, 12 delicious craft beers, as I mentioned, including several of our clickbait thumbnails, uh, along with the other delicious Top Rope beers that we're always banging on about on streams and what have you. Topropebrewing.com, 45 quid for 12 craft beers. Absolute bargain. Enter code here's why at checkout for free shipping. But let's dive into AEW Rampage, which opened with a grudge match uh, harking back to the... TNT Championship Tournament, if I remember yeah, rightly. Early back days in, of lockdown. Back 2020, in 2020, yeah. yeah. Lance Archer versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Archer makes his entrance, murdering one of Rhodes' wrestling <laughs> students. Dustin, though, thankfully, comes out to make the save. Dan Lambert's there. He almost gets power bombed by Dustin Rhodes. Anyway, they finally get in the ring and start uh, battering each other and then immediately go straight out to the floor. Uh, Rhodes, oh my God, this looked like it sucked. Mr. Cannonball on the floor and just flat backed it against the uh, against the ground. Uh, Archer then takes control. Rhodes is like bleeding from his ear. Archer's raking away at Rhodes's face to take us to a break. When we come back, Rhodes starts making a comeback, uh, but then uh, gets kicked in the face and Archer bites his fingers. Rhodes fights back with some clotheslines, goes for a power slam, but Archer hits him with a belly-to-belly suplex instead. But Archer misses a charge in the corner, and Rhodes mounts him and hits those punches, I think like the 13, I think it was, mm. in the corner, and a bionic elbow. Goes for the running bulldog, but Archer counters it, but Rhodes does manage to eventually hit it off the middle rope, and he hits a crossroads, but that don't work around here no more. That only gets a two count. Uh, Archer comes back, vertical suplex, full Nelson slam, but he only gets a one count. Uh, he gets a choke slam, that gets a two count. Sets up for the uh, blackout, but uh, Rhodes slides out and falls down to the mat. 
And uh, as the referee's checking on him, Archer notices there's an exposed turnbuckle, goes to send Dustin Rhodes into it, but he uh, drops down. Archer goes into it, and uh, Rhodes' jackknife covers him and steals one for the victory. Archer immediately afterwards gets up and starts battering him around <laughs> ringside, headfirst into the steps. Uh, Rhodes gets a bit of colour. Um, the Rhodes Wrestling Academy attempt to make the save, uh, but Archer just takes them out one by one as they run in, and uh, then he puts Rhodes through a table at ringside to close out this opener. I thought there was going to be no more talk of come after Wednesday, but I spunked all over watching this. Um, <laughs> this was the, the highlight of the show, and indeed the highlight of most shows it would have been on, I think. Um, Dustin Rhodes remains this timeless uh, hybrid baby face who yeah. somehow juggles what it is to be a wrestling legend that just knows how to do the dark art stuff better than most, mm-hmm. and yet somebody that has seen the way in which the form has progressed and thought, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Like that bump, that sickening <laughs> splat with which he hit the, uh, you know, pool was empty for the cannonball. Oof. Oh my goodness me. Um, he, uh, the way in which he absorbed it made you feel like you'd, like you could see, like you had x-ray specs on and you saw all of his bones shatter in the inside of his body. And yet he makes this fiery comeback mm. and you're with him all over again. He's like, how's he still going? I don't know, but he is. And I want to watch him try. Um, <laughs> I like the booking. I, I don't know if this is going to be for everybody, you know. There was a certain, um, look, this wasn't Dustin Rhodes sitting on the ramp, arm raised, celebrating his victory. But Pretty they did, close. They did sort of have the cake and eat it too a little bit with this finish, right? So he gets this win, um, and then he gets destroyed as a result because Archer is fuming. But this is going to scan as generous. I can see the way you're looking at me. This is going to feel generous. Rankings are so great because of the narrative possibility of them. Archer is an angry, unhinged character who has taken up with Dan Lambert because he's acknowledged that his career wasn't going in the way mm-hmm. he wanted to, right? So the idea is, is that Dan, with Dan Lambert's guidance, he can fine-tune some of the menace in his soul and turn it into something more successful, mm. you know? Um, it almost came good against Hangman Page, the World Heavyweight Champion. It didn't, but he had a taste of how close it could come. So time to, time to start working his way up the rankings, and he's accidentally shanked it at the first opportunity, and why? Because he couldn't stop himself choosing violence. The match was won, and he saw that exposed turnbuckle, and he fancied a little bit more violence. Yeah. He fancied a little bit more bloodshed, and the, the plan came unglued, as it were. After the fact, when there's nothing else left to lose, you've got Excalibur on the call saying, oh, this is a nightmare for Archer. He was wanting to work up the rankings, and he's succumbed in the match. Why would he not succumb after the match as well? And in non-cave fave point of view... Because Dustin Rhodes is awesome at selling these things as well. He's the perfect person to be absolutely crushed. But I genuinely think there's a couple of things going on here. You've got Archer now either consistently succumbing to violence and not being able to make it up the rankings as a result. And that becomes a new... It's a character arc. It's also a character flaw. Mm. Because he's got to look at the look at the company he's in and think, well, I can't just... Yeah, everybody dies, and that's cool. But everybody needs to win before everybody can die. <laughs> like, that was the whole point of his original run is that he kept winning. And it was okay for everybody to die because he was winning his matches and that's not going to fly anymore. He's got to get winning. In the meantime, this is a pretty big win for Dustin Rhodes. Are they seeing something in him having one last shot at something? Something's going on in it, yeah. yeah. You don't just give him this victory for now. Is there a TNT title run in the offing? Are they going to do some incredible one-night respect battle against Hangman Page that he loses? There's a lot to do with Dustin Rhodes quietly picking up wins. And it adds credence to my theory that Cody Rhodes basically only invented AEW just to get his brother a nice job so he could go back to (laughs) (laughs) the I thought this was... 
I, I do understand that there'll probably be some pushback on that finish. I thought this was broadly a success. Um, where again, WWE speak, I don't think Archer gets hurt by this. Yeah, I, mixed emotions, like you say. I was very much like, oh, so he's just stole one. Like you say, I get the storyline there, but I also think like, oh, well, so he's won, but he, then he's got his head caved in anyway, so doesn't, no one gets anything out of this. But I will say AEW has encouraged me a lot recently to let it play yeah. out, so I'll yeah. reserve judgment on that. Uh, Jay Lethal's getting interviewed backstage, talks about the two blemishes on his record, uh, but the guys that beat him, Ricky Starks and Adam Cole, I thought he fought Sammy Guevara for the TNT title as well. Yeah, that happened too. Never mind. The two uh, guys that beat him that he wants to talk about, Ricky Starks and Adam Cole, did so via cheating. Uh, and he uh, says he's got to go some uh, go away and do some thinking. There has to be a better way. Is this the start of a heel turn for Jay Lethal? It would feel more connected to, I think, what most people feel when they watch him. I didn't think this promo was much to write home about. Um, but then I don't think the follow-up storyline will be either. Mm. This strikes me very much as this thing where... In AEW, Tony Khan kind of books to a fault. Sometimes things need less ideas than he injects into them. And you're going to get Jay Lethal racking up the wins, maybe on Elevation or Dark or whatever. Maybe the odd one on Rampage here or that. I don't think you're going to see much more of him. If there are Jay Lethal fans out there, I wouldn't get your hopes up that this is some sort of start of a title run. But yeah, probably some sort of heel turn. Felt this Some was, sort of change, yes. This was the start of most of this episode feeling far too inconsequential. Mm. Fuego Del Sol is <laughs> in the ring uh, and he talks about how he's never had anything handed to him people taking the piss out of him including Jericho when he was wearing pink or whatever and uh, what he managed to achieve in that tag match against the House of Black uh, about how he nearly got the upper hand basically um, but people started chanting his name people started believing in him and uh, as a result, he now seemingly believes in himself. And he calls out the House of Black, specifically Malachi Black, for a fight. And then the lights go down and we get slowly revealed. There's there's Buddy Matthews. There's Brody King. And there in the middle is Malachi Black standing in the ring with Fuego Del Sol. And uh, they uh, destroy him, basically. Knee strike. Um, uh, Buddy Matthews. No, sorry. Knee strike from Buddy Matthews. Uh, Malachi Black. Uh, twats him, and then he gets hit with the fire thunder driver from Brody King, just spiking on him. Uh, and then, as the House of Black left, they were confronted by the Dark Order. Ooh, what was this? I mean, it's the duality of an act like the House of Black. Well, I was off with COVID. Was there a sort of tacit agreement made? Because we all think the matches are totally awesome, that we'd be a bit kinder to them and not do the derisory. Yeah, we're not doing the voice. I'm doing the voice. Right, because, but this bit we can, yeah. Because this was the House of Black. This wasn't just the House of Black. It was NSYNC with the spotlights. What are they going to do next week? Like, I'll stand up off stools like Westlife used to. <laughs> like, I kind of get away with this. Like, the, the beatdown was really fun. The six-man, the trios match that it builds to. Rampage, do we decide next week? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Fine. Like, that. that's that's going to be a pretty good match. Um, Grayson and Uno are great more often than not. Fuego's all right as well but they're going to get battered by like the House of Black. And the more they're kept together as a three, the more you sense that the trios conversation is going to come back up and they're perfect trios champions. Absolutely. They're, they're pretty perfect tag champions, to be honest, but keeping them strong in this scenario is great. Yeah. Like, somebody will probably reply on Twitter after this and correct me on this, but like, do we know of a Dark Order Fuego connection beyond just they thought House of Black, Dark Order? That makes sense. Like, was there a reason why they were mm -hmm. the ones that, like... Sammy Guevara, Fuego's mate. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like too busy shagging. No, of course, yeah. He's having full uh, penetrative intercourse, isn't mm-hmm. he? Yep. So that felt a bit off, other than just to just to make the match to make the match. And there's still even even when you've gone to the trouble of building this, it's still a winners versus jobbers match, isn't it? Mm. House of Black are not losing the Dark Order and Vigo del Sol. That, that's not happening. That's not unpredictable. That's not interesting. Even if the match itself is cool. Because the beatdown was cool. The physical stuff is cool. I'm saying this all the time about them at the moment. But the spotlight stuff, I thought was... I thought we were done with teleportation. That's it. they got magic powers. Why would you Why would you grab a headlock? Why would you do a leapfrog when you can like, magic your way in and out of a building? Mm. Jeez, that. Why would you be in wrestling if you could magic your way in and out of a building? <laughs> you know, we question why Tony D'Angelo would bother the NXT when he's blatantly got money in waste management. If you could teleport, I'd probably just do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the that'd be the solution just, to most of life's problems. Yeah, it was just I just felt so weird about all this. Like, really, good in ring, good in yeah, ring. Again, yeah, again, as always, uh, any time that they're actually in the ring doing stuff, great. Brody King's a boy. Brody King is that like that five hundred drive Brody, looks so good. Buddy Matthews is awesome. Malachi Black is awesome. Um, Brody King's Brody King's the one. He's the guy that brings the spice and the spite to all of this. Mm. But I just kind of the spotlight stuff was so daft. Because if people go for it, they go for it. I suppose it doesn't. Wrestling isn't just for me. Mm-hmm. It's for every, <laughs> for me. It's for everybody. Yeah, uh, the men of the year were backstage. Um, Dan Lambert declared that the TNT title is no longer subject to open challenges. If someone wants a title shot, they're gonna have to show that they have earned it. Um, and uh, Scorpio Sky basically says the open door challenge for the TNT title is now closed. Uh, a good detail for a heel champion, I think. And what I hope is now a focus on. Um, getting the rankings a little bit more back on track's not fair because they do matter in terms of the world title picture but it has felt a little bit that they've been gaming the system yes. late, doesn't it? The tags and the TNT title especially um, there's a time and a place for battle royals and fun matches out of nowhere but yeah let's actually let's respect the numbers a little bit and yeah. start start pushing people in the light it, this ties back to what I was saying about Archer and Dustin Rhodes mm-hmm. that stuff is going to have greater ramifications as a result of this promo greater ramifications greatly as a result of this <laughs> promo I can, I can wrestle a ranking style. I can wrestle a battle royal style. I can wrestle, what is that, belt smell style? <laughs> yeah, Dan Lambert was wearing it. Yeah. Is he fine? He disinfected it now. Oh, he's, just, he's made his piece. Yeah, but I mean, seeing all the detail. Like, yeah, it's, it's in that T or that N. Crusty, isn't, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, ugh. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be 
big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Uh, right, Dark Order versus Red Dragon was next. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Alan Angel start us out. Tanner immediately comes there now and uh, overpowers Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Fish tries to help, but Ten bounces off the middle rope and comes in with a double shoulder tackle to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, Alan Angels gets the hot tag, takes down both, mem- both members of Red Dragon with a top rope crossbody. Um, he hits O'Reilly with a leg lariat, hits Fish with an inseguri. It's a Northern Lights suplex on O'Reilly, but O'Reilly counters and gets him into a guillotine out of absolutely nowhere. Um, Ten breaks that back up by spine-bustering Bobby Fish onto Kyle O'Reilly. Look, it sucked for everyone. But Red Dragon, go for Ten's mask, twist it around. He can't see. He gets hit with the high-low, and then they uh, manage to hit Alan Angels with chasing the dragon for the one, two, three. I want to focus more on the post-match here mm. because they continue the beat-in. Down comes Jurassic Express to make the save. And Adam Cole, just like he did on Dynamite, steals more title belts. Yeah. Well, so there's a couple of things here. Um, I like that Adam Cole, in all of our favourite storyline that's not happening but has been happening all along, is now also a belt collector. <laughs> not one any of them. He's not Kenny Omega. That has been kind of there from the off that he's absolutely not Kenny Omega. But I like that he's become a default belt collector, even though he's just stealing them. I think I want to make this slightly lame idea a bit less lame. This isn't going to be for everybody, by the way. Uh, I'm not sure I'd pitch this if Cedric was in the studio with us. <laughs> I think he might be appalled at this. this very Don't thing. snitch tag him. Well, no, I'll talk to him about it when we get back in the office. Okay. You can snitch tag me if you want. I am thinking... That for Battle of the Bales, Bales, you know how we said that um, Battle of the Bales wasn't shaping up so hot because Red Dragon and Jurassic Express feels like a rematch. Cole versus Hangman Page is a rematch. No matter how you stick these mm-hmm. things up, and you, the results feel predictable as well. Trios match for all the gold. They've got them, but they're not their possession. So they say, right, we'll, we'll put them all on the line. Winner take all. Mm-hmm. Winning team takes all. And obviously the baby faces get the belts back, but that's and it's just as predictable as the two separate matches. But balled into one, yeah, is that not a bit more interesting than, than the two separate matches? And the like, cohesiveness of Cole Fish and O'Reilly compared to I don't really know you with yeah. Hangman Page uh, because the, this Jurassic is like Express. a this is a sort of a, a newer relationship because Page has previously had the like Dark Order's had his back and that's all looking a bit more fractured and Page is now thinking oh, should I sit with the Dark Order all along? Uh, it's a, I know it's a bit WWE. I know like multiple titles in a match in one. Like I like it. I, I just think that's like Battle of the Bales was already feeling incredibly low effort. So has this not got a little bit more juice in the fruit? And because I want to hurry this along uh, in terms of the feud, Christine Cage just getting in uh, Jungle Boy's ear and going, "You do know if you get the pinfall, you get the world title." Like, don't say just whoever wins wins. You just say 
whoever wins gets the world title. Whoever gets the pinfall gets the world title. That's like, when you like might with, but that's when you muddy it with WWE stuff. Kane Taker, Rock, yeah, such a McMahon, could lose Shane. a title to Vince rather than there. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I, I'm not. I, 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 have, I have good fond memories of that. I'm not suggesting that they do a uh, Luchasaurus should get the pin and win the belt. I'm like, obviously, I'm on about they get the tags and Hangman gets the world title. I need to clarify the difference. Yeah, there. but well, Christian Cage should be like, uh, why would you just want the tag belt? There's another belt in this. Yeah, I don't mind that as a addition. Just, I just want to get get this developing more more with the Christian Cage younger boy stuff. I'm just not terribly interested in either of these feuds and stealing. That's fair. I don't think stealing belts is going to like heighten that. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? Does people like this? Do people really like Adam Cole nicking belts? Is that? I feel, I feel like once upon a time I would have had to confess that that was happening on an episode of NXT and it was rubbish. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> gone are the days of oh, you don't touch the belt until you win it. Yeah. Like that's ages ago. Mm-hmm. So now I don't get the difference between holding it high up and then giving it to the the actual champion and just nicking it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, we get a vignette from uh, Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose uh, attempting to explain the god-awful guff that went down on Dynamite. No, no fault of Nyla Rose this, by the way. Or Vicky Guerrero. She's got to work with what she's given. Mm. But, yeah, I love Nyla Rose, and I love the idea of Nyla Rose attacking um, Thunder Rosa. But uh, for a, a being a Mexican... It's, oh, it's limp. Like the, again, like the, Nyla Rose in particular deserves a lot of credit here because I hate saying this on an AEW show. She's elevating bad material. Yep. <laughs> That's what's happening. That's a WWEism of our podcasts, and I don't like having to say it on a rampage review. They wanted to disrespect Thunder Rose, so she's going to show you how dominant she is. Uh, but speaking of dominant, Nyla Rose then took on Maddie Renkowski. Uh, before the match, she was awarded the Sports Entertainer of the Week Award <laughs> by Chris Jericho. Love this. Love Chris Jericho on commentary again now on mm. Rampage. He's just toned down that neediness that came with his babyface character. just says he'll nick stuff from people in the sports <laughs> entertainer, basically. Um, yes, this was all of 30 seconds, basically. Pounce on Renkowski as she's just waving to her family, I assume, yeah. in the crowd. Uh, running sent on. Uh, she's a trainee of Thunder Rosa, so again, another reason for Nyla Rose to batter her and make a statement. Beast Bomb, one, two, three. Good stuff. Great facials from Nyla Rose here. Um maximizing, I was going to say maximizing the minutes, she only got seconds and she maximized <laughs> them. Uh, yeah, the program is weak. Um, it's another thing that Battle of the Bales doesn't have a lot of, it doesn't inspire a lot of like energy or you, you're not going to be thrilled by the build, but this is a reminder in just 40 seconds or whatever she was given that like Thunder Rose versus Nyla Rose on the night will probably rule. Oh, absolutely. Even if, even if you don't for a second buy a title change in the build-up. It's time for Hook to receive QT Marshall's Certificate of Accomplishment Award thing. <laughs> um, he comes down and uh, he calls out Hook, who uh, walks out looking... Well, Jericho nailed it, looking like someone just woken him up to do something he really yeah. didn't want to do. He <laughs> storms down to the ring and Marshall says, look, guys, I'm, I'm not the kind of trainer to feel jealous once a student of mine surpasses me. I'm I'm happy for him. And, uh, hey, uh, and they gives a Hook chant and he's like, yeah, guys. Yeah. Yeah, just give this guy his props. And he reveals this uh, this certificate. It's the inaugural uh, certificate of accomplishment. And he's like, wow, look at how good this is. And Hook just, just chucks Aaron Solo face first into it. It shatters everywhere. Hook, Hook just leaves. And uh, the man who is, of course, Venice of Malive, uh, Danhausen comes out to try and curse him on the ramp. And Hook just walks past him. And Danhausen's confused. Right. Uh, 
This is one for people with the Hamlet 2022 bingo card. This is an absolute um, coupon buster. I think Hook and Danhausen is going to be fantastic. Okay. Right? I, I don't... I, I still don't get him. People adore... People adore him. Adam Wilborn is cursing me on this podcast as we speak, and I feel different. Like uh, I don't, I don't get him, but loads of people love him, and they are right now. Hook and Danhausen in wrestling uh, fan base terms are both forces of nature. You just it's, there's a magic underneath both of these characters at this moment, and nothing is going to alter that. And it's just it's great when it happens and you find the sweet spot. And Dan, like Hook, no selling. The curse is exactly what he should do because he's hook and he's cool and Danhausen is decidedly not. But then Danhausen being confused at the no cell itself is also quite endearing mm. and affectionate. So I, I think there's a lot to like about that pairing. I was really disappointed with this segment as a whole because I thought it might go one way and it just did. <laughs> hook has been everything you wanted plus something extra you didn't know you needed. Every week mm-hmm. so far, every time there's been hook stuff, it's been it's been that feeling. He's been all that and a bag of chips. That's why they pay you the big bucks, and that's why you sit in that chair, and I daren't when you're off. But, like, <laughs> that's what he is. He's all that and a bag of chips, right? I just got all that this week. And what's my favorite thing? Crisps. <laughs> Where's my crisps? I, I didn't get them. I, I was... This is a rampage problem more than it's a hook problem. Mm-hmm. It's It's feeling a bit phoned in. It is feeling a little fair. bit phoned in. Um, and this was a... This was fun. Hooks hugely over. Cutie Marshall's delivery was funny. Um, Bailey's ex-boyfriend getting pasted through the certificate was a blast. Lots to like, right? Lots to like. But just pretty much exactly as you would have seen it happen. And the last thing AW should be aspiring to be is the kind of thing that you can just catch up on in short highlights several days later. And that's what this segment was. Hook is the stuff that you should be dropping everything to watch. Yes. Because either you haven't seen it and you remember there's a Hook segment or somebody, one of your other wrestling friends has messaged you saying, oh my God, have you seen Hook yet? That's what this character, at this point in its ascension, should be inspiring. And I think this is a bigger Rampage problem, but I just, Rampage is like Hook's show. Yeah. Like cool Hook stuff goes down and I, what like this was just, Exactly as you would have By the numbers, yeah. The, the Danhausen stuff wasn't, and is thus kind of gets like an A grade as a result because, <laughs> yeah. like, them as a tag team. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Can you even imagine it? Right? Can you remember, imagine them working like the graphic is going to break the internet? Keith mm. Marshall and Aaron Solo versus Hook and Danhausen <laughs> is going to break the internet, right? Let alone what actually happens in the match itself. I know Danhausen might not be fit to wrestle yet, but that, yeah, that yeah, day yeah. is going to come, right? But I don't know. If you, if you haven't got a really awesome idea, maybe just don't do the thing in the first place. Mm. Uh, nice back and forth before the main event between Ricky Starks and, uh, and Swerve. Uh, Ricky Starks laying it in, saying, oh, he's talking about your house. You got evicted from your last house. Uh, he's not happy um, about the new guys coming in and feeling all entitled. Uh, but Swerve is going to make Austin whose house? I was taking a drink there, sorry. Swerve's house. Indeed. Uh, and they start arguing, and Mark Henry has to shut them up because it's time to say... Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. <laughs> I want to get how long that goes. I tried so hard, and then it's just... You have this thing, Wilborn. This is not going to surprise people. In the office, Wilborn will often do a thing 
um, there'll be a couple of laughs, but there'll be a lot of groans and groans, yeah, a lot of groans underneath those laughs because it's like, oh god, what's he, what's he discovered? What's what's he what's he logged on and seen today? <laughs> Not <laughs> even today, it's this morning. Yep. And then he, he, he does it like four times, and you're like, that's the funniest thing that's ever happened in my life. It's <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing. I was working at my desk once, and in the office somehow was a toy car, and I heard from over my shoulder, from Adam Wilborn's mouth. Because <laughs> he was playing with a toy car, and I, I turned around and I yelled at him, saying, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah. And then he continues to play with the toy car, and at the end, I kind of wanted to play toy cars with you. Just thinking, a few days' time, you were going to be in Dallas with me, and that was the site of the infamous Butterfinger scene skit. I believe I parodied Indeed. for you in Chicago, Illinois. We're going to take this to its third state. Yeah, the original Butterfinger also featured somebody yelling at him, saying it, you, you didn't Yeah, it was Adam Nicholas telling me, he, he said, I, well, oh, what it was, ladies and gentlemen, is, uh, <laughs> I got a Butterfinger chocolate bar, uh, walked up, <laughs> picked it up off the shelf, walked up to Adam Nicholas, dropped it, and went, oh, well, okay. Right, and he went, you need to f*** <laughs> off. <laughs> what I'm saying is, right, about halfway through that Mark Henry thing, that button, that stupid button of yours, in my head, I'm telling you to f*** off. <laughs> By the end, like that's our Wilborn. Also, good. Also, good re- revelation with the Butterfinger story. Put the chocolate bar back. <laughs> I wasn't bothered about buying it. It was just only bad for. This. Do you know what I did that in Chicago too? <laughs> Two broken Butterfingers have been bought because we are idiots. Sorry, but uh, hey, Dallas, Texas, we're coming. <laughs> Check your Butterfingers. <laughs> so yeah, we got Swear versus Ricky Starks. Oh man, FTW mm. Championship on the line. That's the exact phrase. <laughs> It's like, I was buzzing for this. It's the sexiest world title match they've had in quite some time. <laughs> um, and I don't know, it just, it, it's such high, I don't know whether I just had too high expectations, whether they just were a bit off with each other. I don't know. It just did not click the way I was hoping it did, or hoping it would. Um, uh, you know, nice stuff early on. Starks takes Swerve down. Uh, Starks breaks free of an arm ringer from from Swerve and uh, hits him with an arm drag and does the pose. And then Swerve fights back and does the pose back at him. Um, we take a, get taken into the break uh, after Starks sends Swerve into the middle turnbuckle. Um, when we come back, Starks missed a moonsault but managed to hit a tornado DDT instead. That gets a near fall. Uh, there's also an entourage for Starks. He's like barbers there, his nutritionist, his cobbler. They've got a sign. <laughs> and I was looking at that going, cool, when's Keith Lee going to get your hands on those guys? <laughs> um, Swerve goes for a half-and-half half suplex. Starks counters it. Um uh, double underhook. Strickland go uh, counters a go behind, sends Starks to the outside and hits a running shooting star press to him on the outside. We come back in the ring and String hits String String. <laughs> Don't know who that is. <laughs> Swerve Strickland hits the uh, double stomp, but Starks kicks out of two. Starks counters a suplex, gets a roll up that gets a near fall. Uh, Starks sends Swerve out to the floor and Powerhouse Hobbs body blocks him. Um, Hobbs chucks him back in the ring with the referee distracted and Starks hits the Rochambeau for the one, two, three. Post-match, there's that entourage come down. They bring the banner and, of course, Keith Lee just hoys one of the twats through it, beats up the other two uh, and then there's just this massive brawl. There's uh, Keith Lee and Swerve basically fighting Ricky Starks and powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, The officials come down, they get getting knocked over and what have you, but it's uh, it's a a hot brawl to, to close the show, but... I don't know, there was just something off about that world title match. Yeah, it was a hot brawl. It was a cool visual. I really like Keith Lee holding the guy through the banner. Yeah. Really, really like that. 
Um, he felt menacing, but it was it was kind of tongue in cheek as well, uh, which is honestly a lot of people misunderstand the magic of Adam Cole flying at the fifth row of that pants. It's funny, yeah, like it's violent as all hell, but it's really funny, and that's what this captured for me. Mm-hmm. Keith Lee being this monster, it's not like killed the guy in front of his kids. He's thrown him through a piece of paper, but that's that's pretty endearing. And, and at least they the established it more than when they did that thing with. Uh uh, Nick Comorato when they were just like you know the wooden chair that we've got underneath the <laughs> yeah, well, you like what yeah. it was just I thought that was nicely done yeah the match um, I don't, it's a lot simpler sometimes than you want it to be wrestling when it comes to deciding on the quality of something did you enjoy it and I think I'm speaking for most people when I say the answer is no mm. they were on slightly different pages there was a couple of times where it felt like the match ground to this odd halt which is so rare for these guys mm. specifically. Starks and Swerve bring like Swerve's quite a unique wrestler in that, but it's for the be- it's for the betterment of everybody. He's quite a unique wrestler in the way he moves in the execution of some of his stuff. But that lights up. I've said this before. That lit up the CWC, the darkest and dankest of the wrestling atmospheres. Yeah, and Isaiah Swerve Scott, as he was then, was a difference maker in the atmosphere. So, and I'd like, Swerve Strickland, I never pretend to be the indie guy, but I'd seen a bit of um, Shane Strickland pre WB, mm-hmm. and I felt that way when I'd seen him live and in person as well. And it just sort of felt like, oh, he's, he's going to be perfect wherever he goes because the matches sort of mold themselves around his quite unique skill set and his Absolutely, unique style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's such a cool thing to have on your roster. And Starks isn't quite like that, but there's some similarities there. You know, there's a sort of the way that Starks works has a, a certain, I don't think it always. Delivers maybe in the way you would expect, but it's because when when the highs are high, they're sky high mm. with Ricky Starks. You see this like this unlimited potential that often when it like levels and flattens off a little bit, you're like, oh, I'm like, I feel a bit of disappointment. Mm, I've yeah. had that with him a couple of times because the highs are sky high. And this was all of that. This was all of that feeling of it not quite the chemistry between them wasn't great. I didn't the problem, of course, is that you have this hot brawl to build a, a rematch, like a tag rematch. But the match that's just happened is taking you away from wanting to watch that. Mm. Like, if anything, now it's going to rely on Hobbs and Lee bringing more to the table. But their interaction the prior week was amazing. So maybe, maybe, maybe at this point, this whole thing is batting a score draw because one little interaction has been cool, the other one hasn't, and now it's going to come to the tag match to decide if we want if we like this or not. Swerve getting beat. We talked about this in the preview. It's going to be hard to beat Swerve and not make it feel a bit weird that you've just beaten Swerve. It did feel a bit weird. It's just shenanigans. On the yeah. night, it's like, oh man, he's lost already and he's lost to a bit of team to cheating. I, don't know. I know not everybody can go on the winning streaks. And if anything, I think that's been a bit of a crutch. Yeah. People just go on winning streaks. So you'd, it's okay to, I'm not su- suggesting everybody, everybody's the undertaker at WrestleMania, but like second week and he's lost to some team to chicanery when that's the first thing you should be scouting. Mm. Not great. Not an, not an awesome feeling. <sighs> I. I don't know the answer. This is bigger picture more than smaller picture, but I don't know the answer what it is, but Rampage don't feel right. Mm, no, that's a fair assessment, I think. But let us know your thoughts on uh, on the main event. Uh, Ricky Starks retaining the FDW Championship on this whole show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. And if you're a fan of AW, of course, don't forget you can still order Michael Sidrick's brilliant book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AW on Amazon, wherever you are. 
Uh, and you can make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, the SmackDown review is available right now on our uh, WrestleMania Raw ramp. Rampage? I was going to chuck <laughs> another uh, in there. The WrestleMania Raw preview will be coming your way a little bit later on today. But for now, this has been the Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.